But then again, who asked me? Hello and welcome to my second episode of the Who Asked Me podcast. Now, I got the hardest part out of the way and I posted my first debut episode. Um, I was nervous. I'm not going to lie. That's partially why it was only 28 minutes long. I wanted to keep it cute, keep it short, get straight to the point. But mostly it was because of the nerves. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, The nerves and the stress. But since I got the hardest part out of the way, um, I am here with my second episode. I still want to keep it cute, but I have some topics, you know, I want to go over some light ones and, you know, maybe some not so light ones. Um, I'm going to be playing around with a few things on here, obviously, since I am a new podcast and hopefully I get your guys' listeners feedback on, you know, maybe what you want to hear, what you don't want to hear, as well as maybe a topic that somebody else can weigh in on that I'm not as versed in. Um, So yeah, we'll be flirting with some things and trying to figure it out. But for now, I'm going to hop into my topics for the week. I'm going to keep it light first, and then we'll go on and see where the episode leads us. So we have our Real Housewives of New York taglines. You know, two of them stood out to me. And if you follow me on Instagram, then you know which ones those are. I lightly touched on it. Um, First off, Miss Ebony K. Williams, she delivered, she delivered. She told us, I have had to work twice as hard for half as much, and now I'm coming for everything. And I just, I felt, I felt that. I don't think some people understand how hard black women feel that or women of color just feel that statement in itself. I mean, that is probably one of the first lessons my mom ever taught me. I've heard it as long as I've been alive, honestly. You know, we have to work twice as hard and it is a fact and Ebony is here to show these ladies a thing or five or 10, I hope. And I love it. Which leads me into the other one that stuck out to me. And to be honest, she might as well has just told us, look, I'm going to say some shit this season. Ramona Singer gave us, I may say the wrong thing, but my intentions are always right. Yeah. Not my intentions are always good. My intentions are always right. Ramona. Ramona. Sweetie. What did you do? Tell, tell, what did you do, girl? Because I know you did something. I mean, it's, it's crazy to me. First, I want to say, I don't know what goes into making a tagline, and I've always thought about it when um, Housewives come out with new ones, and sometimes I think about what mine might be, and I always draw a blank. I know that they have to get them approved. I don't know if it's by Andy or if it's by a producer or what have you, but it does need to be approved, and I just want to know who said, heard this from Ramona and said, oh yeah, that's the one. Go ahead and go with that one because you, you're not looking out for her. My intentions are always right. Ramona, your intentions are always good. Even saying my intentions are always right reeks of I'm not getting the full point, which it shouldn't shock me when it comes to Ramona. <laughs> but still, I'm just like, Jesus fucking Christ, woman. I, I'm a little nervous to what's going to come out of that woman's mouth. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's something. But, but those are my two that stood out to me. Um, the other ones, I'm not going to lie, I didn't retain. I, uh, Leah said something about being BS negative, which, shocker, that I'm, I want to say that I'm the most lackluster, or I'm the most least shocked by that one, I should say, least shocked. Um, 
because I won't say it's the least lackluster because I don't even know what Sonia said. <laughs> I mean, I, Sonia, she's great TV, but I don't even know what she said um, for her tagline this season. And Luann said something to the effects of being glamorous. And let me tell you, it, I didn't really retain what Luann said because I was looking at how gorgeous she looked. Louis, I mean, Luann's always been a gorgeous woman, but she's, I don't know what she's got going on, but it's working. Okay. She looks amazing and she continues to look amazing throughout these seasons. It is baffling to me. I've never seen no shit like that before, but okay. I'm, I'm happy for you, Lou. Um, I don't necessarily want to hear any more cabaret, but I'm happy for you. She looks great. But yeah, I mean, I, again, like I said, last episode, I'm interested to see what takes place this season, even with these eh, taglines. Uh, speaking of sneak peeks, we got a little sneak peek of Real Housewives of Potomac and I'm excited. I was exhausted by the Real Housewives of Potomac. I still love those ladies, but I just realized when I saw that little little sneak peek that I'm excited to see what we're looking like moving forward sans Monique and Candace. You know, of course I had my thoughts on Monique and Candace. They are null and void now. This season is over. I'm ready to move on and see what these ladies can do. Um, I'm interested. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I am interested to see Monique without, or Monique, said that wrong. I am interested to see Candace without the Monique aspect. Um, we haven't seen it yet. So I, I'm interested. I really am. Um, Wendy asked us if anybody wanted a titty <laughs> and sure. Why not? Yeah. Wendy, I do. I do want a titty. Why not? I love, I never turned down a sweet, but even in the short 10 second clip, it looked interesting and I'm excited um, I'm never, ever going to not be excited by Karen Huger. I love that woman. Even when she's wrong, I love that woman. You have to make millions to owe millions, she said. <laughs> but yeah, I am so excited to see these shows coming up. And speaking of shows, I got a notification a memory on Facebook the other day um that this time last year is when I personally was watching the love is blind on Netflix and I was I went nose first deep dive into that show I was obsessed I was up until five o'clock in the morning watching that show and I sped through it because I didn't I know I think they um released the episodes like one or two at a time it wasn't all of this the whole season at once um while everybody else was like enjoying tiger king and talking about that which no i did not watch and i will not watch um i was on the love is blind train i was so obsessed with those people in that show um and it got me wondering i did remember hearing that they were doing or planning on doing an, a second season but I haven't heard anything else about it. And I looked it up lightly before I started recording and I, it gave me the same thing that I saw before. They're planning on doing a second season, so I don't know if they're in the works. It's just crazy to me because um, they filmed that first season like four or five years ago and it just came out last year. So I don't know if it's going to be that same type of thing you would think that they would want to turn it over faster since the um you know the response was so well with the first season but who knows and then that got me wondering do we think that love is blind is a one season wonder or if it's going to be a one season wonder reality show because the thing about reality tv now these days is it's kind of lost its like spontaneity if you will, um, now people are getting on it because, uh, or trying to get on it because of, you know, the Instagram followers, the fame, what, you know, then maybe they have a side hustle or a small business that they want to become, you know, bigger and they, and I'm not knocking anybody for doing that because good for you. Um, but it's kind of ulterior motives than just maybe what the show is for. 
So I that's one that I'm like, I don't know if it's going to be as good as that first season because they didn't know what they were doing the first season. You know what I mean? It was like kind of a shot in the dark. And then we all got our asses put on lockdown and fell in love with it. And that's my other thing. Do we think that Love is Blind would have been as good or hit as hard if we weren't all on lockdown? I don't know. I personally love it. I was thinking about rewatching it. I'm not going to lie. Because I love, love Lauren and Cameron, obviously. And just as much as I loved the lovey-dovey shit, I loved the mess. Giannina running down the street in a wedding gown. So staged. But I loved it. I loved every part of it. But yeah, so maybe that'll be a question for this week. What do we think about Love is Blind? Do we think it's going to be as good uh, um, if it comes back for a second season? Or do we think it's going to kind of be like, eh, we're going to have people trying to be like, you know, the Giannina couple and people trying to be the Lauren and Cameron and, you know, what have you not. So what do we what do we think? Let me know. Because I, I'd be willing to watch it again, even if it's not that good. I'm I'm open to it. So moving right along on this Bravo train, the Instagram streets are saying that VPR is supposed to start filming either this week or next week or something like that. And I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit confused. You know, I, I thought we wrapped it up. I, th- I thought we were all on the same page about just we're not going not gonna to do that anymore. But I guess not. Bravo said, no, we're going to keep giving. And I don't, who do we even have anymore? We have Sheena. We have, I'm sure we're going to see her new boyfriend. Um, How much we're going to see him though is, you know, TBD. Um, Tom Tom, Katie, Ariana, White Kanye, Raquel, and maybe Lala. I mean, she's technically not fired, but all of the people that she's closest with are fired now. And I find that to be hilarious because those are also the people that bullied the fuck out of her and called her every single name in the book. And she's not close with Sheena and Ariana now who stuck up for her against said people. But, you know, we won't get into Lauren from Utah. We don't have time. And she's not honestly not worth it. But I just don't see the dynamic and who knows who else they're going to bring in. But the dynamic without the people who have been fired, that the group of people left over don't really gel because they are so close to the ones that have been let go. But who knows? We'll see. Um, My VPR bar is like below hell. So, you know, if it doesn't pop off, it doesn't pop off. I'm not going to be too upset about it. But moving right on to Atlanta. um, This season, now y'all know, those are my girls. Those are always going to be my girls. I don't care no matter what. But this season for me, as far as Atlanta goes landed at a hard five and I'm not sure if it was because of COVID or if it was the new cast members maybe a little bit of both but I will this is how I feel about the new cast member members that gif of Jay-Z where he's looking up in the air like trying to bob to the music and he still can't find the beat that's how I felt was me with the new cast members I just, you know, am saying I, like, I'm part of their uh, show and I have to get along with them as well. But that's just how I felt watching them. However, at the beginning of the episode, you know, we see all of Candy's achievements. And I'm not going to lie, I love seeing everything that Candy makes come to life. That she is such a successful and smart businesswoman. And I also love how she puts it all a lot of it back into her community she's from Atlanta you know born and raised and she does so much and I it's just something that I love to see and if I can get to one of her restaurants post-COVID I absolutely am because that food looks so good but then we go over and we see Kenya in this therapy session and I (laughs) there's so much to unpack here but also so little because this whole mark thing it's just exhausting Kenya she okay she details to us to her therapist that you know Mark comes to her house and he when he comes over he stays 
and then he gets in the bed and she says it in a way as if like she doesn't have a choice in the matter. No, Kenya, if he is coming to see his daughter and he's like, oh, I'm tired and he yawns, you then that's your time to say, oh, well, you know, the Westin is 15 minutes away. I'm sure they have an open room. And for her to say, and then he got in my bed, that's your bed. So I'm a little lost, but whatever. She says, you know, oh, he says he wants to make it work, blah, fucking blah. And then all of a sudden she goes to text him. And what do you know? Her number's blocked. And let me just tell you, Mark is a level 10 fucking bogus for that shit because you sleep in somebody's bed and then block their number the next day that's for somebody you met at the club not for the mother of your child okay grow up so then kenya goes and gets brooklyn's cell phone i'm sorry is it brooklyn too i mean i know the kids are getting electronics younger and younger these days but a whole phone brooklyn has a nicer phone than i have right now must be nice and again on mark's stupidity level you block Kenya's number and then you start getting a call from Brooklyn's number and you text back. Brooklyn's not calling you, Mark. Obviously, obviously it's Kenya. I just, I, mm, too, too, too much. I let it go from what I've read. She has good for her, but I don't want to hear about Mark Daly in the next season of Real Housewives of Atlanta. I really, really do not. I can't take it anymore. Oh, it's so exhausting. I am going to skip over Drew's son's reunion um, with his dad just because I I'm I don't know how I feel about the kids and seeing the things like that on TV um, when they get to that certain age. Kind of like how I felt about like how I fell off with Teen Mom just because their kids are getting so much older and the things that are taking place like they're going to be able to see this and have memories and stuff of it now it's just if she thought that's what that's what was best as his mother sure whatever drew but i'm gonna tell you what wasn't for the best and that was drew's white elephant gift now let me tell you when i saw that these women were gonna be playing white elephant i immediately was like oh no 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 i still have beef with somebody over a game of white elephant it's that serious and I, I'm not gonna lie I try every time every time Christmas every year when Christmas rolls around I'm like okay Giselle if white elephant is involved you just you're gonna relax you're you're not gonna get your hopes up you're not gonna get too attached to something I have had one time of playing that game and that was with my fiance's family and I just knew that I didn't want to you know get too far deep into it so I could relax and I didn't take it too seriously that every other game I've played I get pissed when my family plays uh, at least two fights break out okay the last time we played at christmas two years ago it turned into a goddamn auction people were paying to get rid of gifts people were paying to you know then bidding on other gifts it was it just gets to be a hot mess so i knew as soon as i saw these ladies that these ladies were going to be playing white elephant it was going to be just that now let's talk about this hundred dollar gift we can't find anything to get somebody for a hundred dollars okay well call me a broke bitch obvi but if y'all need a list of a hundred dollar gifts to give somebody i will send you my email address because i got plenty of things you can get me so then these women decide to up it to a thousand because they got it like that and i'm happy for them but Drew I love gag gifts like I I love having a good laugh at things like that however when it comes to you know a thousand I don't even know a thousand dollar gag gift to be honest but what Drew came with versus what the other women came with Tiffany bracelets Chanel brooches and um scarves and even if the vuvclit don't make fun of me. I don't know how to say that champagne. But even if it came from the Bailey seller, it still is expensive champagne. 
for Drew to give a wig that's been on her head and then a boombox that she went down into the depths of her basement and got and then a cassette player or a cassette is beyond me all to prove that Toya allegedly has a fling with Profit Lot. Listen, if she really wanted to play that recording, she should have just CC'd everybody in on an email and sent it that way. I don't know where the boom box and the cassette player came into it. It I just she tried to explain it and I was so far gone. I was like, girl, it's enough. Enough is enough is enough. Okay, Jesus Christ. I probably would have thrown the goddamn wig too because that was so ridiculous. And I'm still failing. She just sounded so, so damn judgy. But I can't get my child blessed by him because of Toya. No, you can't get your child blessed by him because you are deciding that you don't want him to bless the child anymore. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't, I'm not religious and I don't know quite what a prophet is to be honest but I don't and if somebody please let me know if I'm wrong I think he's allowed to form a relationship with somebody whether you like them or not the whole thing the whole goddamn thing but let me tell you where I got triggered in this entire thing well actually I'm skipping ahead a little bit First off, hot take, you cannot convince me that Kenya did not call LaToya and tell her to come over because she already told Cynthia, oh, I'm sorry, I don't want to come over. I don't feel like being in the drama. And then I just think it was part of Cynthia's little plan. So in walks Toya, being loud, being obnoxious, blah, blah. Her and Drew get to popping off and get to fighting. Now, I understand that Drew stood up and went after this girl, but where I was triggered was when I saw Toya jumping up and down like a six-year-old on Cynthia's couch. I was like, I know this girl does not have her fucking stinky-ass feet jumping on Cynthia Bailey's couch. I would have been pissed. It's just rude. It's just rude. It really is. And then for Kenya, again, I stand by what I said, I think she told her, oh, come do a sneak attack. Come over here for her to be playing. Oh, steal a bottle of champagne. Oh, do this. And she says, oh, I forgot my purse. Go get your bag. Go get your bag and egging her on and supporting her. Then to automatically be like, get in the car, Toya, get in the car. This is ridiculous. You're acting ridiculous. Kenya, pick a side. What the fuck are you even talking about? One minute you're egging on her on and now you want her to get in the car? Go see about booking. When I saw that typo at the end, I fucking died. But to be honest, people are talking about, you know, if there's going to be a cash shakeup, who's going to leave, who might leave and who might not. I would and I've seen some things of people saying that it might be candy I don't think it's going to be candy however if they do take candy from us or if she decides to leave I will say this I need some type of candy commentary if she's not going to be on the show anymore candy's facial expressions and her voice just like her sound bites when she her reaction she gets all her voice all deep and she goes mm. Oh, that's what you had meant to do? Is that what you were saying? Who said that? I just love it. I just love it. We still need something from her. But I I would see, I can see Cynthia, um, this being her last season or her dropping down to a friend of, just because of how she ended this um, episode. And she was like, I have everything I want. I'm so happy. And I'm happy for Cynthia. You know, she she was a B student, B plus student. She she gave us what she had to give. So yeah. And the only thing I have left to say about the Real Housewives of Atlanta, besides what the fuck is that reunion trailer, because I picked up nothing from it. Something I don't want us to take into the next season of Atlanta is acting like we are shocked that Portia Williams is going to be late. 
Season after season, Portia has provided us with so many laughs and so much tardiness. So let's stop acting like Portia's going to be on time because she's not. And she's not going to be mad about y'all continue like continuing on with the day getting your plate sitting down and eating she walks in each time like hey y'all like she's not three hours late so stop getting upset about it we don't need to spend another three minutes talking about oh my god Portia's late Portia's late yeah she's gonna be late to everything it's just who she is and we love her for it so get off of her no We'll see what comes next week from the union. I was a I was unamused, not going to lie, but I'm still going to watch because we know I love a reunion. But that wraps up my Housewives of Atlanta part of the podcast. I'm going to take a little bit of a break and I will be right back. Alrighty, now let's get into the summer house of it all. You know, I'm going to be honest. I think that it's probably the best that I started this podcast, ironically, at the end of a summer house season. So I can just get the whole season out of the way because I don't know if I honestly could have gone through it week by week with you guys. Um, If you follow me on Instagram, you know that I actually stopped watching season four at the end. I had about four episodes left. Um, and because it was just, it was triggering to me and mainly it was Hannah and how she was treating Jules, but that's a whole nother story that we can get into if you really want to hear it one day. But before I dive into the entire recap, I have decided that I wanted to rate the girls on based on who I think would be the best friends. Um, so Coming in at number one, I of course have Danielle. She is a sleeper but necessary person in the summer house house. And I think it's largely because she has her own career that is completely separated from the summer house in Bravo and everything. Like Danielle could walk away from summer house and be good. She is here to let these people know. Whether it's Lindsay, her best friend, she's going to tell her you're fucking up you're you're not doing the right thing or whether it's Paige who she's obviously not that close to but she's going to tell it how how it is and again she's the best person to do it because she is kind of removed she can see outside of okay I need to be creating this narrative and I need want to you know get this many fans she's just there to let us know and to have fun and so it's 100% Danielle number one spot Number two, I have tied between Lindsay and Amanda because I don't think one can go over the other. I think those are two really solid, good girlfriends. Um, Lindsay, no matter where she's at, like with her relationships with some of the other girls in the house, when shit starts popping off and their tears and, you know, arguments are being had, she is always there to support the person that's crying and unless she's arguing with them. But honestly, like I've just thought back on multiple times where she wasn't like necessarily agreeing with, you know, Amanda or something and Amanda would get pissed off about something else like having to do with Kyle or somebody else in the house and she would be right there like, hey, you know, it's okay, it's okay trying to like kind of calm down. And then Amanda, same thing. I mean, I I think she has the patience of a saint, first of all, with Kyle and then secondly with Hannah. And then the both of them, Jesus Christ, she and she's obviously very forgiving and always, always, always trying to see the best in people. Um, at three, I have Sierra because, you know, I, I just found Sierra fun. And when we got through the whole like Hannah and Luke of it all of the situation, I loved seeing her and I feel like she would be just like such a good friend to go get a drink with. She's like really kind of quick-witted and like sleeper you know funny I I love Sierra and I'm excited to see her on the winter house um number four is Paige okay because Hannah said it best I think and this is probably the only thing I'm going to kind of agree with Hannah on Paige stayed quiet Paige stays quiet when it comes to things that she should actually open her fucking mouth about all right now what I don't agree with Hannah on is Paige generally stays quiet in the benefit, in Hannah's benefit. And this summer, she didn't quite as much. And I think that's a good thing. Listen, I have had friends 
fight with each other and completely not like each other at one time. Neither one of them was going to be disrespectful to the other and we can all still be friends, but that doesn't mean if one of them is getting completely beside themselves and starting issues that I'm going to just not say anything because it's so awkward for me. If you're wrong, you're wrong and we are all grown adults, so there's nothing wrong with keeping your friends accountable and telling them that they may may be acting out of pocket. I don't understand where, why Hannah and Paige like fail, completely fail to just shoot it with each other a hundred percent, at least from what we see on television. Um, and I think, I mean, obviously I think that it has to do with the fact that they've built an entire brand around their friendship, but it doesn't have to be a brand that like, I hate when people say like, oh, you don't have my back because you told me something I didn't want to hear. That's not that. Sometimes being the best friend that you can be is telling people like, hey, this is not your most shining moment right now. And you're actually acting really fucking ridiculous. Like Hannah has done this entire, honestly, Hannah's been acting ridiculous this past two seasons to me. I'm not going to lie. And I mean, obviously last place is Hannah herself because we're just going to lead right into it. Hannah the past two summers has said over two different guys, my friends just don't understand me. My friends just don't understand me when it comes to guys. That's her go-to. That in bad edit when people are holding her accountable for her actions, okay? Well, first of all, Hannah, if you really feel like your friends are not understanding you, especially when it comes to guys and especially two different guys over the span of the past two years, maybe it's time to look in the mirror and do some self-reflecting. But to be honest, Hannah is a Leo, so she's not too, too capable of that. And listen, that's not Leo slander. Y'all just have a really hard time admitting when you're wrong. I think you might actually like burst into flames if you admit, if Leos admit that they're wrong. But hey, that's just been my experience with them, all except for one. I just don't understand what this girl thinks the rest of the world, like how the rest of the world viewing this TV show is so wrong. And, and she's continued to try and, you know, push this narrative of her being the victim. Kyle has cussed me out. You know, so-and-so has done this to me. Hannah has a whole list of things that everybody has done to her. But when it comes to things that she's done to other people, she still is going to tell you why she's not wrong. And it's exhausting. I do not know where we go from here this entire season because we started with the whole Luke of it all and she was crying and just being a hot mess. And so now she's completely 180 degrees on the other side. And listen, I'm not blaming her for having somebody in her back pocket and having a quote unquote backup plan. What I'm blaming her for is getting on national television and saying that because let me tell you this, I feel like if Luke would have said, Hannah's my backup plan, I kept her on the back burner in case, you know, things worked out with his ex or whoever one of those fucking girls he was fucking with last season, she would have flipped the fuck out. But she literally told national television that her now fiance was on the back burner. And that, and I mean, Paige even said it. If Luke would have said that, Hannah, I want to be with you, we wouldn't even be meeting Des right now. That is what I find really fucking bizarre. I don't care. Keep people on your back burner. Absolutely. Don't fucking tell anybody about it, especially if you're on television. If I were Des and I watched this entire season, I wouldn't have questions that need answers. Okay. And one of my questions also would be, do you have a thing for Kyle? She has a very hard or weird hard on for Amanda and Kyle in their relationship. And the, she hates that they've worked through their issues. Every single fucking relationship has issues and you either work through them or you don't. But for whatever reason, Hannah seems to think that Amanda and Kyle need to keep reliving theirs. And it's very fucking weird to me. And down to the fact where she, I cannot believe that girl thought she was going to be in their wedding. I mean, the whole, the other girls aren't bridesmaids. I could see if she was so upset because Lindsay was a bridesmaid and Sierra was a bridesmaid and Danielle was a bridesmaid. They're not. And you, Paige and Hannah, contrary to popular belief, are not a fucking package deal. And trust me, as somebody planning a wedding right now, just because I put somebody's friend in my wedding doesn't mean I'm putting a whole fucking uh, friend group in it. Absolutely not. Do you know 
how much it costs to pay for people to eat at weddings? No, ma'am. We are not doing that. <sighs> I mean, I just don't know where we're going with Hannah. I don't see how she can come in next season and repair some of the friendships that she's royally fucked up. But who knows? We'll see. I mean, she's not going to be in Winter House, but I don't. I'm interested to see what takes place at this reunion also. Um, as far as everyone else, I am really, really honestly happy for Amanda and Kyle and where they are in their relationship, especially seeing like where they started and like kind of the turmoil that took place to where they are now down to like lover boy and planning their wedding and even like how they are with one another. I just love to see it. I feel like Kyle is like what Jax Taylor thinks he is, but he's, he's not you know, he, he's just not. Um, but, um, as far as Lindsay, (laughs) my girl, Lindsay, I want Lindsay to have all of the things that's on her list. I've had a couple people ask me, you know, like, what do you think of Lindsay's list? And I don't, I don't think it's ridiculous, you know, to state what you want and, you know, know what you want, the dates on it were a little, <laughs> you know, it wouldn't be what I would do. However, I want Lindsay to have what she wants. I don't think it's going to be with Stravi. And I don't, I still maintain, uh, again, if you follow me on Instagram, you know, my hot take is that Lindsay and Carl are meant to be together. It's just all about the timing. Um, but I want nothing but happiness for Lynn. She, along with Kyle, has carried this show for some seasons. Um, when it comes to Carl, I am, I feel really badly for him. He seems like he is, you know, trying very hard to be better and do better. And I want that for him. But this season broke my heart for him. And I really just hope Carl is in a good place. Oh, because I I feel for him. Um, And as far as Luke, I don't really, I'm not going to lie, I don't need to see him again. I know he's going to Winterhouse, but without the Hannah storyline, Luke is not entertaining to me. To be honest, even with Hannah, he wasn't entertaining to me. He's not funny. I'm not sure what he brings to the table. If we don't see him next summer, I don't care. But I, as far as Winterhouse in that little like clip that they gave us, because I'm not going to call it a trailer or a teaser, they were just playing tug of war. I'm going to watch, obviously. Um, but I, I saw somebody in that playing tug of war with them that I had never seen before. So I'm wondering if they are bringing more people in besides the summer house people and the um, Southern charm people. I'm very confused, but like I said, I'm excited to see the reunion next week and see how how everything goes down with that. Um, we are going to take a little quick break and I'm going to come back with the pop culture segment and then our finishing notes. Alrighty, welcome back. So I do not have a lot for pop culture this week. I have one topic that kind of bleeds into another one. But before we get to discussing this topic, I do want to try and be self-aware and understand something from my learnings this week. So I am going to put a trigger warning because we are going to talk about Demi Lovato and um, her situation and it involves eating disorders. So I just want to make everybody aware of that. So... Earlier this week, Demi decided that she wanted some Froyo and she went into a Froyo shop and she saw a sign that triggered her and it said guilt-free and whatever the product was, it was guilt, it was advertised as guilt-free and then had the number, um, count of grams that was of sugar, I want to say. Yeah, that was in the product. Um, she saw the sign, it triggered her. She went home, got on Instagram and decided that she was going to put the business on blast. Um, apparently this is a small locally owned business in LA. We all know everything that small businesses have gone through in this past year. Now I watched this in real time. I watched the entire thing. Um, and this is where I was confused. She called them out for something that she felt that they were doing that was damaging or could be damaging to people with eating disorders. And then they replied to her and they said, you know, 
we're not, we, our intent was not to perpetuate diet culture. Um, you know, X, Y, and Z, what I felt was a pretty professional across the board response. And then she goes on to like, continue to screenshot the messages. And it's like, I wasn't even going to answer, but since y'all want to keep this going, well, okay. First of all, you're talking about an answer. You added them. They didn't at you. You added them. And then they replied to what you said and tried to explain themselves. And it was a roller coaster. I mean, I was just like, what the fuck? So the next day she gets on Instagram in a video that I believe was her attempt to apologize, but it was again all over the place. Um, There's no arguing with, you know, I feel like we probably all need to take a step back and say, okay, somebody is saying that this triggered them. We need to listen to why. However, at the same time, she did go in on that yogurt um, shop hard, you know, and of course you had a lot of different people on the internet either agreeing or disagreeing and, you know, bringing in their personal experience into what could have, you know, why it could or could not, why, why she could or could not have been right. And I wanted to literally tell everyone to shut the fuck up and be on honestly, listen, okay? Demi has a past with eating disorders. It triggered her. However, comma, furthermore, you had some people on the internet that, you know, were diabetic. And I guess they said, you know, having that signage of those things um, for products, for food, makes it easier for us to spot out what is better for us to eat. Both sides are absolutely valid, However, the way Demi Lovato went about call, tr- quote unquote, trying to call out this yogurt shop and then into trying to apologize, but trying to get people to like still side with her was the mess of it all. At one point in the uh, quote unquote apology video, because I have to use air quotes because that's not what that was. She goes... She starts trying to apologize and she goes, but you know, I went in there and I still didn't get the ice cream that I wanted. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I, I am a Demi Lovato stan. I really generally do like her. Um, I watched her most recent documentary and it, oh, you watch that at your own risk because it is a lot. It's a lot to process, but in that, I want to bring up, at one point in that documentary, she says, I love my fans, but they can get out of line at times. In reference to um, threats that they were sending to people that they thought had, that they these fans that don't know her speculated might have had something to do with her overdose. I mean, it was really, really bad. I'm not going to lie. The things that her friends and the people around her at that time of the overdose were saying that her fans were sending to them was not okay whatsoever. And that leads me into this topic. She says in that documentary, like I said, she's she's aware that her fans can get out of hand sometimes. And of course, when this Froyo situation came up, her, some of her ride or die fans got on the internet and were so cutthroat and disgusting to people to where the point was completely lost, okay? And I feel the same way about the Taylor Swifts and people of that nature who have this these fan bases that just get straight nasty, okay? I'm not even a Scooter Braun fan, but when, mostly because I don't really know what he does, but when he bought Taylor Swift's Masters, and then her fans were sending him him and his family death threats, that's too far. Demi Lovato, you've just said your fans get out of line sometimes, but then you go, you kind of, in a way, call them to, you know, rise up when you do things like this. Like you try and call out a yogurt shop and things like that because trust and believe some of, like I said, some of her fans were just going fucking crazy. First of all, y'all need to calm down because I understand being a fan of somebody, but I don't understand being a fan of somebody that you've never met to the point where you're threatening other people over them. It That's weird. That is very, very fucking weird. 
Okay. It is ridiculous. And again, baffling to me because you, on one hand, you are saying you're, you know, your fans get out of hand. So before you, I know she's human, but before you just go out and, you know, try and call somebody out for something that of this nature, I think there's a step back that needs to be taken. But in, in the video, she, you know, she, it was like, she tried to take the step back and then she would just keep on running forward. But again, she's also a Leo. Listen, it wasn't a good week for y'all. I'm not gonna lie. And I'm an Aries. We are in the fire sign gang together, but it wasn't a good week for Leos. It, it just wasn't. It was a hot mess. And then the point, the part that I started getting really upset about is that she made me kind of agree with Justin Anderson. All right. Kristen Cavalieri's little mouthpiece of a best friend hairstylist. He, of course, just had to give his two cents and comment on it. Ironic because here I am giving my two cents that no one asked for commenting on it. But he starts talking about it in his stories. And he says, you know, that's what happens when you have too many yes people around you. They can't tell you when you are being a little ridiculous. One, I find it ironic because he is literally Kirsten Cavalieri's yes person. But he's not wrong. I don't know why no one told her, hey, 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 take a step back. Like, yeah, your feelings are valid. They absolutely are. However, comma, furthermore, putting this small business, this company on blast like that and then acting like they're like trying to steamroll you and be rude to you somehow, it it was a mess. It was a legit mess. I want the best for Demi, but oh my God, I just like Hannah Burner. I want some self-awareness as well. You know, there's, there was so much when I was exhausted after getting into this story because there's just all around some understanding to be had by everybody. You know, I don't think that anybody was trying from what I saw was trying to you know, negate her feelings, but oh my God. And then another celebrity got on to try and defend her and it it just fucking snowballed because you can't come from the, yes, two people are in your inbox with diabetes saying like, hey, yeah, I've had those products and they didn't work for me. And then you have five more people on the other side saying, I have diabetes and those are geared towards me. It's it's just, it was so much. It was so damn much. I don't think Scooter Braun earned his check that day. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I do not think he earned this that his check that day. Because if he did, he would have told her to get the entire fuck off of Instagram. I mean, good God, the fans, the celebrities, they can be exhausting. But, you know, I'm again, I'm going to read all of it. I'm going to read as much as I can before my eyeballs start burning. <laughs> but I'm going to take another break. I'll be right back to wrap up the show and give you my bamboozled and bewildered and my wine of the week. Alrighty, welcome back. So to wrap up this week's episode, I have two new little mini segments for you guys. It is going to be my bamboozled and bewildered segment and my wine of the week. Now wine of the week is pretty self-explanatory, but bamboozled and bewildered is going to be about products that I have spent my money on that have left me feeling bamboozled, bewildered, or all of the above. So we're going to start off with wine of the week. It's going to be a rosé and it is the brand Gris Blanc and I got the 2019. Um, It was absolutely so refreshing. I'm kind of on a rosé kick lately since the weather's getting warmer um, and it's no longer a frozen tundra where I live. I just love a good rosé in the spring slash summertime. Um, This was around $18 and it was the perfect amount of you know, dryness to sweetness for me, because sometimes I feel like rosés can go either one side all the way to the other. So yes, the 2019 Grizz Blanc is going to be my wine of the week rosé recommendation for you all. And for my bamboozled and bewildered product, it is going to have to be a product that I actually did enjoy until I completely 
completely felt bewildered by it. And it's going to be the Sunday Riley Good Jeans All-in-One Lactic Acid Treatment. I decided to try this because I read so many reviews on it and I was going back and forth trying to figure out if I wanted to spend the money because it is really pricey and I finally finally pulled the trigger. So I got the 0.5 floor ounce because again I never tried it before and I want to say I've had it for probably three weeks. Now I will include a picture of this jar and the packaging of this product on the Instagram segment. Um and then put it in a into a reel for you guys so you can look back on all of these. However, this jar looks like it is a good size and it is kind of has like a frosting on it that resembles the coloring of the product. So I just assumed that the product was straight in there and then it had a pump in it that was releasing the product. But no, the other day I was doing my nighttime routine and I, you only need one pump of this a night. I went to go pump it out and it felt like it was getting low. And I, to myself, I was like, there's no way. I mean, this jar is a decent size. I know it says 0.5 floor ounce, but I'm not going to lie. I don't know how much that is or however it, how much it isn't. I'm just looking at the bottle. And so I, being myself, started to unscrew this jar, which you are not intended to do because it took me probably a good two minutes. And when I pulled it out, when to say I was absolutely bewildered by what I saw was an understatement. There is a little tiny bag inside this decent sized jar that actually holds the product instead of the product just being the entire jar itself. Now, like I said, I'm absolutely going to be buying this product again. However, I'm just a little bit disappointed. Huh, but whatever. I will honestly spend a good amount of money for good skincare. I'm not even going to lie about it. But that is going to wrap up our episode for the week. You can find me on Instagram at who asked me podcast. Um, I look forward to talking with some of you and, you know, give me a follow on Spotify and I hope you enjoy this episode. Bye.